So I will go through uh, some of your questions. One question is, uh, would you please explain clinging to mere rules and rituals? Sila bata paramasa, with examples. There must be uh, plenty of examples. So, uh, so I think clinging to it is first is the, it is clinging uh, to the mere facts of uh, believing that the rules and rituals are going to to solve all the problems. And. Uh, Then maybe I will give the example. If you have uh, other uh, examples, you please uh, you please suggest. You know, I forgot a little bit. So uh, I think in this case uh, it refers most uh, specifically to things like uh, ascetic practices that uh, uh, people will just believe that uh, by doing some types of uh, ascetic practices, or then they will get liberated without uh, considering uh, other uh, aspect of uh, the practice, especially the, the mental aspect of, uh, of doing something. Like uh, you have some ascetic practices, like uh, you, all kinds of uh, things that are uh, not, so, not necessarily meaningful, like the belief that, uh, uh, well, just like if you are to stand on one leg for, for a few years, or then you will get uh, liberated. So. Sometimes the ascetic practices can uh, can lead can, can be a supportive condition for uh, progress and uh, they can also stimulate a good deal of energy but uh, if the mental factor is not uh, considered and it's a mere uh, belief that uh, these uh, rights are going to bring some kind of liberation then it's uh, the, uh, it's not correct and also the fact of uh, clinging to those things also is what is meant so sometimes the rights the right or the rules uh, can be uh, observed, but not necessarily uh, with clinging. So the fact that the, the importance here is that uh, the person will not be clinging to these things anymore. Because he sees that this is not what will bring actually the actual uh, uh, evolution, the actual uh, uh, progress. It's like, I think, uh, like if you are studying at a, at, a, at a school or college or something, and uh, you think, oh, well, you know, if I light the candles, some candles in front of my saint, you know, in, a, in my image every day, I am okay. So every day you just do like this, and you don't, uh, you neglect to study the, the, the matters that are going to be uh, asked at the exams then. Uh, this is uh, just a mere superstition, and it will not help uh, uh, too much. But if these things help you to calm down your mind, then it's okay as long as you study also together with it. So it's the same thing with our practice. If we don't uh, uh, consider the uh, uh, the all the, the old picture of uh, having a healthy attitude and also. Uh, developing intelligence and understanding with what we are doing, then the clinging is, uh, is, is just uh, based on delusion. So when someone is reaching the state of Sotapanna, then these uh, clingings 
are uh, completely drop off, and also the belief in doing these things are not uh, are not there anymore. Here can <coughs> can you give advice on how to be more contented with ourselves? our practice, the present moment, etc. Like if we are taking the situation now, then sometimes to reflect on the the chance that we are having. This is a very rare opportunity and if you look uh, uh, a little bit about the external situations in the world. The, this situation is very exceptional. Everything is quite supportive to uh, to the practice of meditation. So this is one factor, the factor of uh, reflecting and then seeing the, uh, the, the the what you involve yourself into. So then you, if there is any kind of uh, miscontentment, then it may bring some, a little bit of more uh, motivation and, and, and enthusiasm. But also we have to understand what is the root of uh, being miscontented or discontented. So, uh, if we if we can learn from the discontentment for the state of mind where there is a you know a state of uh, unsatisfactoriness a kind of boredom or then uh, if we are able to surmount that then uh, it's uh, it's really for our uh, benefit and it's uh, actually the aim of uh, the spiritual practice is to understand that uh, all our life we are not satisfied and we we run from one thing to another thing just trying to find some kind of security, some kind of happiness, some, ty- some type of, uh, of satisfaction, but it's never there. And, uh, the problem has always been there from history, you know, even thousands of years ago, it was the same thing, discontentment, dissatisfaction with everything. So when we are not doing anything anymore, then we are with ourselves. The, that potential of discontentment sometimes uh, will pop up again. But I think uh, if we... Uh, also, look at the state of this modern society where everything is to be satisfied, you know, as fast as possible. And uh, so the, 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 the mind that is uh, connected with the, the discontentment is more easily uh, associated, maybe. So there are um, different also practices that, that could be uh, done for that. And one is the just, to, just to practice the meditation. So if we are really attentive to the meditation, if we are really interested in the meditation, then all the kinds of discontentment will disappear. Because discontentment, it's like boredom, and boredom is just uh, the mind that is uh, not satisfied with what is now. So to be satisfied with what, what is now uh, requires a quality of attention. So. If we are able to give some quality of attention to whatever we are doing, and especially our meditation, then the delight is going to, to come. And uh, the, the joy also, uh, and all the, uh, the quality that are uh, <coughs> wiping away uh, 
the discontentment. They say that uh, the practice of kayanusati, kaya, kaya the meditation on the body by itself, it is, if it is done properly, if someone uh, succeeds in doing uh, these practices uh, correctly, then uh, he is a conqueror or she is a conqueror of uh, delight and discontentment. These two types of opposite. So either we delight in something, you know, and then we want it more, and then when it's not there, then we get bored and then we, did, we, we get discontented. So uh, to go beyond these uh, type of uh, opposites is by developing a, a quality of mind where we are perfectly balanced. And the practice of meditation brings us that quality of balance where uh, there is a, a, a big deal of satisfaction, there is a big deal of, uh, of uh, aliveness which uh, wipes away these things. Like also, like uh, some suttas also, they say that uh, if someone is perfect in the uh, in the sila, so if you are just having a good life or having uh, uh, good principles that uh, that you are applying into your meditation, you know, just the basic behavior of sila, then this can be a, a source of great happiness. Like here, you are not doing any harm to anyone. This is wonderful. Like when we are in life engaged with responsibilities and all kinds of uh, acti activities that demand uh, fast uh, response, then sometimes we are irking other people. Sometimes also, unconsciously, we are also uh, making damage to, to others' uh, belonging. And, but here, it's, uh, it's more uh, subtle and then uh, we can appreciate a little bit more and we can also have the possibility to improve the quality of our morality, our virtue. But this is a, this is a, a mental aspect that, that is going to be reflected in, in uh, our activities. But just the fact of coming back to the purity of these activities, these basic uh, uh, principles of honesty, truth, and uh, uh, these types of things that are uh, reflected in the uh, practice of sila, brings us also a kind of, uh, of uh, satisfaction. But uh, not only that, but they say that, for example, uh, if you practice, of course, meditation and uh, the samatha and also insight, and if you are staying alone in empty huts, like in your room or in em empty places, then this is uh, going to be uh, dispelling any kind of uh, discontentment. But also they say that uh, the practice of mudita, Sympathetic joy, that's the best uh, remedy for that. And this is not obvious because our society just uh, encourages us to be, uh, to be competitive and to be better than other people. And so this, uh, this mood of just trying to perform and this mood also of, uh, of trying to, to, to be better than other people makes us uh, less appreciative of uh, the, the, the benefit that uh, other people are enjoying in their life. So to be to know that uh, this is a possibility for us from time to time, you know, just to develop the, the the quality of sympathetic joy, and if we are here, especially, like uh, sometimes, it's we are not expecting you, we are not expecting ourselves to be always happy and always uh, dissatisfied. This is normal, you know. So when this is happening, 
you can just relax and then you can just uh, look around and sometimes like uh, a few weeks ago somebody was telling me oh how wonderful you know when I look at all these meditators you know many of them they are so beautiful there is a kind of serenity so it is also within yourself but you are not aware of it but uh, if you are looking sometimes uh, at uh, others you know and uh, the meditators then you can also rejoice that uh, well they are getting something out of the meditation and uh, this is uh, wonderful so this type of uh, mudita this type of sympathetic joy makes you more uh, enthusiastic about yourself because it gives the possibility to 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 forget all your little worries which are just natural it bypasses the limitation of an individual you grow up to well, uh, of course, I, am, I have my trouble or my difficulties, but although other people also have their difficulties, but uh, the success that uh, people are able to achieve, if I rejoice, if I am able to rejoice with that, then it's, uh, it's really good. Then not only then that means that, uh, that, that we are also successful if we are able to rejoice with the, with the success of other people. So that's a way to, when we are practicing metta, then it's the opposite. We want other people to share our uh, success. But when we practice mudita, then in a way we are getting richer by the experience of other people because we appreciate it. We don't need to tell them, but we are appreciating it. So it is coming back to us. So the practice of mudita is a very uh, strong, uh, supportive condition for the uh, uh, discontentment. How can one generate the jhana factors so one is able to go into the jhana of choice when wish and as a tool of developing mastery? So here we have the word the generate, you know, generate the jhana factor. So generate also you have the generator. So what is a generator doing? It is a, it's a kind of machine that is producing uh, uh, some type of energy that is transforming uh, the energy into something else, like electricity or whatever. So, uh, so we have to generate it. We have to create uh, these jhana factors by doing the meditation. So if we are... Uh, um, applying ourselves to our meditation uh, subject, then the jhana factors are getting generated. And, uh, but here the question is, uh, how is one is able to go into the jhana of choice when wish? So first is the first at all, you know, uh, it is to be able to go into the jhana, only one type of jhana, not the one that one wish. So, if someone can uh, be uh, experienced only in, in one type of jhana, then this is a, this is a good step. And uh, like also the question is relating to uh, to developing mastery. So here we have two types of uh, I mean among the many masteries there are uh, several, but here just two will be like uh, what is called. Uh, 
the mastery of the jhana is uh, is the five types of mastery you know like uh, when somebody starts to practice the first jhana then uh, he can uh, advert to the jhana when whenever he wants but also he can keep uh, the attainment as long as the person is uh, able uh, want want to uh, to uh, to keep it and also the person is able to attain the jhana whenever uh, the person wants and uh, also is able to emerge from the jhana when he wishes and uh, also is able to review the the jhana factor so these are the five types of mastery that uh, someone uh, should learn to develop if someone wants to specialize in the jhanas then this is the first step and uh, as you are here and some of you are uh, reporting the jhanas and then the, the first questions or the first uh, motivation that is given to you is that uh, you, should able to, you should be able to keep the jhana as long as possible. So if somebody is able to experience the jhana itself and uh, is able to, to keep it for a good amount of time then uh, other consideration uh, can be uh, brought in the picture like uh, the, the, the rest of these uh, masteries. So uh, one, like uh, here, the developing the mastery and then going to the jhana of one choice. So there are many other masteries where also you are asked to change your object of meditation and also to change the, 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 the quality of your uh, mind when you are in the same type of uh, jhana. And uh, so uh, these are a little bit more complicated, but uh, the, 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 the prerequisite is to be able to, to master a specific type of uh, jhana. And uh, these things, uh, they take, it, take, it takes time. Like, uh, like if you just compare that with, uh, for those who know music, uh, to master a musical instrument is not, uh, it needs practice and also it needs time. So when you start to play, if you want to learn the violin or the flute or the piano, it's not, uh, it doesn't come like this. You need, to, you, know, you need to practice again and again. And the first thing is to be able to make a good quality of one note. And then after that, you learn how to combine uh, chords or a few notes together and the, 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 uh, an harmonious type of combinations of, uh, of uh, melodious uh, things or of notes. And this is, uh, this is, you know, as more as you do it, and then the more skillful you are able to, uh, to make uh, any type of sounds that uh, you are wishing to make with your instrument. And you have a mastery on the... Uh, on the process of uh, playing the, mu the music that, uh, that you wish to, to play. But, uh, but it needs a practice. So uh, jhana is the same thing, like also any kind of techniques. It needs, uh, it needs, it needs a time and, and practice. What do the teachings say about euthanasia? especially if uh, accidentally, mortally injure uh, an insect and it appears to be suffering. Can we then intentionally kill it to put it out of uh, its uh, misery? So here the, there is a question of euthanasia, but uh, the first question we will say that uh, if we relate it to our human realm, to the human life, then uh, it's a little bit more serious than, uh, than an insect. But uh, it has ca some kind of parallel, though, you know, in the Buddhist uh, philosophy, because uh, uh, the, the principle that uh, the philosophy is conveying is a general sense of uh, respect of life. 
So they say not to kill other beings because we respect the life. So we need to respect the life uh, of others, whether they are humans or whether they are animals. And uh, the topic of euthanasia also is a very, uh, it's not a hot topic, but it can be, uh, it can bring a lot of points of view and uh, professional issues and uh, ethical uh, also discussions. So I will not go into the details. I'm sure that you can find books about it. But uh, the thing also is that uh, we have to consider that life is natural. So also death also is something natural. So if we are able to respect the life itself and then to see and to let the life go its own speed, then, uh, then uh, we are in a position that will enable us to judge or to, to see properly how can we uh, respect life and also alleviate the suffering of any uh, living beings. And also sometimes, like, uh, like I don't want to, put to, 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 to give a, a, a specific opinion on, the, on the professional issues, but uh, if, for example, uh, the life is maintained artificially in hospitals, you know, and then they just, uh, they just maintain a, a body, you know, just with artificial means. So uh, that's good if the person is conscious, and, uh, but, but also, in, like, it doesn't mean uh, well, I don't know, you know, because uh, if the person is left on a natural condition, what will happen? So we have to see what also is the, the, the intention, what is the, the uh, it's very difficult to, uh, to know the, the state of mind of the person who is in, that, uh, in these states and uh, how much the person still wants to live. And uh, like if we take it in, uh, related to insect, insect, insects, so this is less uh, uh, controversial as, a, as a giving a point of view. But uh, if we take it as, a, as, the, as, a, as the insect, so if we arm an in insect uh, accidentally and it is suffering, so uh, we have to consider whether the insect uh, still likes to live or not. Because uh, although an animal will be in terrible pain, as long as the animal or the insect is not dead, still the clinging and the craving for life is there. So the, 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 the animal instinct will be for survival. So as long as the animal has not uh, uh, finished uh, its lifespan, or as long as the, the animal is, is still alive, that type of uh, mental clinging or that mental desire to survive is there, even though it is in, in, in really big pain. So it's difficult to say. But intentionally to kill some uh, another being is a uh, is not allowed in Buddhism as such. Like it de really depends on our motivation. If you have any comments, you can uh, you can give your comments if you have something to add about that. Yes. Well, if you do it intentionally, then uh, I don't know. I'm sure you will be itching for quite a while after that, maybe. Like the, the like also when we are uh, 
killing mosquitoes or killing any beings is that uh, what is the state of mind that we are generating at that time? So we are just angry, we are upset, so, so whatever is coming in our way, we want to destroy it. So if it's a mosquito, okay, now you go away, and then you don't like it, well, it's tough luck, you know, and then path it's gone. So we are a little bit angry, so that anger is coming back to us immediately. So this is one effect that, is, uh, that, is, uh, that, is, uh, that can be seen here and now. So in the future, I don't know, but now, this is the effect of having an angry mind, of being upset. Whereas if we are uh, having some kind of metta, and if we are patient, you know, then uh, if it's possible just to remove the, uh, the insect, then it will not, uh, <laughs> it will not disturb, uh, we will not be uh, mentally disturbed. And uh, the consequence also, the, 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 the vipaka of this type of karma will not be, uh, uh, will not be there. When describing some of the higher states of existence, you mentioned there are some for those who practice jhana. You mentioned three levels of uh, those one uh, was for those practicing uh, inferior jhana. Can you define inferior jhana plus the other two grades of uh, jhana mentioned? So the word uh, inferior is a little bit maybe not uh, what I meant if I said that at all. So uh, it would be more like you have three levels of, uh, of jhanas, like in each plane, each plane of existence in the somebody who has practiced jhana uh, when he dies, uh, if the person has maintained the jhana at the, until the death moment, then uh, the rebirth will happen in, uh, in the rupa loka. And, uh, and then you have, uh, you have uh, four uh, of these planes of existence and each of these four uh, planes of existence that are related to the four types of jhanas are divided in, uh, in three except for the fourth jhana where the, you have five uh, planes there, uh, another two. Uh, so the three uh, subdivision of uh, one plane of existence, there are actually three planes of existence, but the, the three planes of existence of the first jhana, for example, is for those who have uh, attained uh, the jhana at a normal uh, degree, at a normal level. So uh, if you just have a normal type of jhana, then you are reborn there. And then the second one is that uh, if you have a medium degree of, uh, of jhana, then uh, you are reborn in the second plane, and then in the third plane, uh, it means that uh, uh, you need to have a perfect control of uh, of your jhana. So this third one is a, is a superior and a perfect control of the uh, uh, of the of the jhana itself. So this is how it is uh, it is subdivided. Here, why does concentration yield a visual sign like light? Why not a smell or sound or taste? So concentration yield a visual sign like light because uh, 
Uh, first of all, the mind itself is very uh, clear, the mind is very pure, the mind is very luminous. So whatever the mind is looking at, it becomes quite brilliant because the mind is more powerful. So this capacity of illuminating an object will also be uh, done when somebody is uh, contemplating a meditation object. So the meditation object will turn into a very bright uh, image. This is one, whatever the meditation we will be doing, this is how it is going to happen. Even if somebody is to concentrate on a skeleton, you know, like a corpse, just start with the bare, uh, rotting skeleton. But uh, the more you look at it, the more also you develop it with your mind, with the, with the meditation, because the, the, the purity of the mind is, uh, is improving. Then also the, the quality or the perception of that very object, which was originally uh, disgusting or repulsive, becomes bright and also it becomes very, you know, sometimes it can be a very beautiful and also very luminous. So at the time of uh, attaining jhana, which is also possible in the contemplation on uh, asubha uh, meditation, repulsiveness, uh, <coughs> the object will be uh, perceived as something very uh, brilliant and light. Also the side effects sometimes of the meditation will bring us uh, any kind of uh, you know, images and uh, it will also uh, be associated with, with light, especially because the mind is full of light. So uh, here the, the, the secondary question was, why not a smell or sound or taste? So it is the same thing with the smell, the sound or taste. That is uh, for now, you know, for all of you, you started to, I mean, you, you have not started, but uh, your practice uh, has improved a lot and your mind has, uh, has been concentrating for a while. So you can see that uh, you can know that uh, whatever you, you, your smell has a, has a little bit more, uh, it's possible, you know, that the, your, your smell has been uh, uh, developing a, a little bit more sensitivity. And you, you can smell the flowers and uh, you can smell different scent around here where when, uh, like if you are not so sensitive, then you are not, uh, you are not aware of these uh, smells. Same thing with the sound. You know, if you are very busy and then you don't hear the crickets like that. There are many sounds that, uh, that become perceptible also with the meditation. And some people also, believe it or not, they are, they are hearing other things that uh, will uh, be not uh, necessarily very logical to talk about. And the same thing with the taste. You see that the food... Uh, well, it tastes, you, you are aware, much more aware of the, the quality of the taste. But uh, in regarding to meditation, these things are not powerf powerful enough to, uh, to lead us to the concentrate, to, to, to deep state of uh, concentration. So that's why smell, sound, or taste by themselves are not used uh, to, to develop the samatha meditation. And the sound, we will uh, come back to that uh, at, with the, the last question. Yeah, is a question. Is a, what is your practice now? What do you do when you sit on the cushion in this meditation hall? <laughs> oh. So I can escape from uh, answering directly to the question by saying that monks, you know, they are not allowed to talk about their own meditation. So uh, that's a way out. But uh, actually, I can wait. Like. 
I can talk about teachers. The question is, re is relating probably to teachers or to those who are, you know, representing the Dhamma. So, uh, first of all, uh, a good teacher will be kind of uh, trying to practice what he teaches or she teaches. So that's a, that's a good point. So if you are a teacher, then try not to make too contradiction, too much contradiction with what you say and uh, what you do. So if it's a meditation teacher, huh, <coughs> then uh, I think it is better to practice meditation. <laughs> so hopefully the people in front of you uh, are practicing meditation. So <laughs> a good meditator, a good meditation teacher, when he is sitting in front of people, should uh, it's not sure because there are so many types of meditation and uh, or so many types of uh, the things to be considered. But the first uh, thing to be considered is the motivation. So someone should always see that this is the basic principle of uh, of a spirituality. So to see that the mind is pure. So. If there is any kind of, of thing that is uh, that is upsetting a person who is uh, supposed to be a teacher, then uh, the purification of the mind has to be uh, dealt with, and then to deal with uh, with these uh, obstructions. Huh? But uh, if these things are not there, then uh, then then depending on the quality, uh, de depending on the degree of uh, of uh, maturity of the teacher, then the teacher will uh, will uh, will practice according to that, and the teacher can practice also. Uh, like especially uh, doing the meta meditation, so uh, I think some some teachers. I mean, many it is it, it is encouraged that when the mind is peaceful and uh, if uh, the teacher is in a state of serving other people, then the the, the practice of meta is very beneficial and uh, uh, very often it is practiced by by many teachers and it is encouraged also. So it becomes uh, it makes uh, everything more easy. So the person who is uh, doing the meditation. Uh, is also, uh, you know, uh, developing the the meta meditation, but also if you compare with uh, with uh, uh, with the Buddha, then the Buddha he was said to to practice very often or to dwell in in emptiness when he was talking with people. So uh, he had the, the the possibility to switch his mind to uh, to an internal uh, state of uh, meditation, which uh, will make him. Uh, see phenomenon as a kind of empty, so he would not be disturbed so much by uh, the encounter with the external uh, events. So he will uh, probably include that. Uh, well, it, everything was his meditation somehow. It was mentioned. When the mind is not aware of anything specific, it is in the bhavanga consciousness. I thought when the mind was not aware of anything, it was in the illusion. The question is, are the bhavanga consciousness and the illusion the same or different, or sometimes the same, or So when the mind is not, uh, I said that, uh, like if you look also in the definition of what is the bhavanga, then uh, you see that uh, one definition that is given is that uh, when the mind is not actively or occupied or attentive to any of the six senses uh, objects, 
So the mind is not conscious of, uh, of these, uh, any kind of six uh, types of uh, objects, then uh, the process, the mental process goes into uh, bhavanga, the life continuum. So at that time, uh, the mind that is in bhavanga is uh, still conscious of something, but uh, uh, the consciousness, the, the, the object of which it is conscious uh, is, not, uh, is not known uh, by itself. You have to do some, uh, some uh, other meditation to see what is the object of, uh, uh, of your bhavanga or of the bhavanga of other people. So, uh, so this is what I meant when I said that uh, when the mind is not aware of anything specific, then uh, because uh, of these non-intention to uh, uh, sensory uh, stimuli, it goes into the bhavanga consciousness. So uh, here the, the, sequen the second uh, thing is... Uh, so here the, the question is that uh, the person thinks that uh, not being aware of anything, this is delusion. So, uh, it is not necessarily uh, delusion. So, the, the, the word for delusion is moa, and uh, it is coming from the root mu, and it is to be stupefied or to be deluded. And uh, the delusion is uh, one of the... Uh, it's, uh, it's, it is a company, like when the mind is not having understanding, uh, so then uh, it is in delusion. And uh, the, it is a chetasika, like it is one of the mental factors that, en that, that can accompany any types of uh, immoral consciousness. So any kind of uh, akusala types of consciousness, if you study uh, in the Abhidhamma uh, definitions, then uh, the, the classifications is that uh, any kinds of immoral consciousness will be uh, accompany, accompanied with uh, delusion. So delusion is not necessarily uh, not knowing anything. Delusion is uh, actually the confusion with regard to the nature of an object. So sometimes we are not aware that we are aware, and this is delusion. Or sometimes we are not uh, conscious of the, of the object itself that we are thinking about something else or we think that the object, we, we misinterpret the, the object that uh, we are perceiving. So this is the delusion. And the delusion also can accompany uh, some types of bhavanga, some types of, uh, of uh, life continuum, you know, uh, can be uh, accompanied by delusion, but not all the states of, not all the, the, the life continuum. like. Uh, uh, just uh, like in the animal world, all the bhavanga consciousness that the animals are having is uh, is not having the root of uh, of wisdom. So it has it has the root of uh, delusion. So the bhavanga consciousness and delusion are not the same, but sometimes they can they can come together, but some but not necessarily. <coughs>
There are now drugs like Adderall, which improve concentration. They are prescribed for attention deficit disorder. Sometimes the students take them for studying and scientists to be more alert for their work. Question. Will it be okay to use something like this <laughs> to help our practice? And the second question, very important, where can we get some? <laughs> so, of course, that will be it, you know. If we were to get the pill, then that's, that could be the solution. So, if you're into economic and market-oriented, you know, you can figure out uh, to associate yourself with a scientific will, with, that will invent the, 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 the perfect pill that uh, will improve your meditation. So here we are, we are, we are dealing with two uh, factors, not two factors, but two issues like uh, uh, children or, or people who are uh, deficient, uh, de deficient disorder, you know. So uh, if it is in the medical field, if it is uh, professionally uh, under the supervision of, uh, of a specialist, then drugs can be used for better uh, amount of, uh, of, uh, of uh, physical health and also mental health. So whatever the professionals are advising, for improvement of health, you know, whether mental or physical, then uh, if someone agrees or if someone respects the, 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 uh, the, the, these uh, prescriptions, then it is okay to, 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 to do because it, it is in the field of medical, you know, it is in the field of uh, the me medical science. But um, But also you have uh, scientists that are not using drugs. Oh, like here they say now the students and scientists uh, are using that. So uh, some students and some scientists are not using it and they are also quite fine. And uh, you know, you probably have known people, you know, professionals, but uh, I have known some lawyer and also highly professional qualified people who, who are using morphine. So. They told me that they were very efficient when they are using that and they, they become addicted. So uh, although they are, you know, recognized professionally and they are very efficient, still the addiction to, uh, to this type of drug uh, is, is very uh, uh, nefast because on the long run it, uh, it, can, it can affect the health very badly. And also the dependence on that someone is uh, uh, developing with these, uh, you know, with these artificial uh, booster. Is uh, is not uh, is not very uh, is not the best thing, and uh, some of them you see that uh, if they do that for uh, many years after that, the side effect is so bad that they need they need uh, they can't they can't continue like that because we damage because they damage their own uh, uh, physical system, so it is damaging health. So is there a way? Is there a way to, to, to be healthy and also to be uh, efficient and then to, to be, uh, you know, uh, alert and all the, the qualities that makes a, a, a human being uh, fully uh, developed? Are there ways that, uh, that are not depending on these things? So they had made some studies, you know, like I forgot exactly uh, the, the, the words, but uh, they made some studies in uh, regard to the type of... Uh, uh, drugs or the types of chemicals that, that, that our own body is producing 
and the terms I think like one is the like endomorphine huh? so our body is able to produce I think it is endomorphine uh, and this is a type of liquid that is I mean it's a type of uh, substance that in it that is in ourselves and the glands are producing that when we are uh, well in different uh, in different conditions so for example a mother who is giving care to her children you know whether she's giving milk or whether she's doing something else you know because of the care of uh, because of her state of mind then she will produce also a type of uh, of chemicals that that will make her full of bliss and it's a kind of drug and uh, you see also uh, people with a lot of meta then they, 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 they almost feel like they are if they are stone because uh, not in the sense of delusion, but in the sense of well-being. Because what is morphine doing to our body? It is alleviating all kinds of pain. We are not feeling the pain anymore. So somebody with a lot of meta is not so much affected with, with these things because uh, there is a type of, uh, of uh, mental transcendence that will uh, make f the, the pains uh, not, uh, not be... Uh, not be uh, not be there, but also it will affect the body. So, uh, so we can try, you know, by practicing metta, for example, how much it is affecting the the, the rest of our uh, body, and also the body is also producing uh, producing ad adrenaline. So when somebody is in high stress or under a very uh, uh, difficult situations, then the the system will make. Uh, produce adrenaline we, we, that and that type of adrenaline is a, is a chemical very similar to drugs and uh, this this will boost also the, the the potential of the individual in that specific uh, situation so uh, my question is that uh, is it possible to uh, to develop our meditation and then to to, to, to try to, to to combine you know to to, to have a very positive uh, uh, I mean the maximum of, of uh, mental and physical health and ma maximum efficiency just with the meditation and uh, like I would not say that you should completely uh, ignore the stimulant you know like if you are if you like a mild stimulant like tea or coffee well there is nothing wrong but uh, uh, I have noticed that a few a few uh, a few a few a few of you that uh, that have come here, then we come here with uh, you know with a busy lives, and some of you are addicted to coffee. Or but after a few weeks, or then the person says, no, no, the coffee, or you know that type of uh, of strong stimulant is disturbing my meditation. So because the mind is able to 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 to, to get more refined, and also the subtlety of uh, of uh, of the mental uh, dynamic does not require that kind of that gross type of uh, stimulation so the more we practice meditation the more we see that uh, we develop subtle states of mind that are more more fragile and that, that that are actually superior to what we are getting from the drugs and uh, the advantage of that is that uh, there is no side effect and uh, quite the opposite the side effect is that uh, it is uh, it is very positive for for all the cells of uh, our body so if we are able to uh, to, to to see you know that uh, we can be independent from uh, external substance for uh, 
uh, for our betterment and for uh, our uh, whatever efficiency uh, life uh, requires from us, then it is much better. Will someone else, including meditation teacher, be able to know when a person attains Nibbana? Yes, so uh, we could say that even a person himself or herself, the person sometimes uh, may not even realize that, uh, that uh, she has attained Nibbana. This is possible. So, uh, so also whether a teacher will be able to determine if another person has attained Nibbana, it's also uh, very risky to, uh, to, uh, to uh, approve. But it, it is possible. It is possible if the person, if the teacher is uh, really highly spiritually attained himself, then, uh, then he can evaluate the attainment of another person. They say also, like uh, in the commentaries, you know, they say that uh, a teacher or any kind of meditator is able to, uh, to, to evaluate the progress of another person if the other person has not, uh, if, the, 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 if the, the, the meditator has achieved uh, some uh, kind of uh, attainment, then that person is able to recognize it when he sees somebody else attaining these things. So this is also a possibility, but uh, uh, we should also remind ourselves that uh, any kind of judgment is, n is not necessarily true. So it may be a hypothesis, but it's not, uh, it, has to be, uh, it has to be verified, and uh, that verification needs a kind of uh, long-term uh, uh, observation. So after a few years, uh, they say that uh, by observing oneself or by observing someone, somebody else's uh, comportment, you know, behavior, then the person is able to judge whether the attainment that uh, uh, they claim to have achieved is genuine or not. Because uh, the attainments, is the, the, the results of the attainments is that uh, we get uh, uh, less uh, specific, the, the, the defilements are decreasing and decreasing. So. Uh, we cannot see that on the moment because uh, sometimes they are they may still be uh, buried uh, a little bit deeper than we think could the enlightenment occur in the middle of daily activities or is it necessary to go into solitude in order to attain nibbana Yes, uh, enlightenment can occur in the middle of uh, daily activities, and there are some stories or some report about that type of uh, of things, because it depends <coughs> of uh, it depends also of uh, the maturity of a person. So also the maturity of of a person may not be uh, uh, seen right on the moment. Like we, you don't know you know to which extent you have work on your. Uh, developing spirituality, but all these qualities are accumulated or, you know, the experience that uh, you are uh, developing in, in, into your uh, practice is there. So, uh, sometimes an, an event, external event, that event that, that, that can be uh, experienced in, in just normal life can, can just bring the switch where the mind is going to, uh, to uh, get uh, 
you know, a sense of, uh, or attain Nibbana. And this is, there are plenty of examples where somebody was able to attain Nibbana when listening to a discourse or even only a small stanza, like uh, they say that Venerable Sariputta just heard a small stanza from, uh, from one of the Buddha's disciples about the, the Buddhist teaching, you know. And then just by hearing the statement, then he became a sotapanna. And uh, he, wa- he, didn't, he was not in, uh, in solitude or he was not in, uh, you know, uh, uh, in retreat. He was uh, somewhere on the road or something like this. Do you have any suggestions for using sound as a meditation object? For Samadhi, not Vipassana. So, uh, I have no suggestion because uh, in the Theravada tradition they don't use the sound for, uh, as a meditation uh, subject itself. But definitely sound can be used, you know, like the sound of a mantra or also the sound of uh, some specific sounds, like you know that music is, uh, is used in uh, many spiritual traditions to enhance the quality of, uh, of the mind. So sound is, uh, is something that, that can be used positively. But uh, here, you know, we don't encourage to, to use the sound as such for, uh, for the meditation. But sound can be used, uh, of course, for the vipassana, but not uh, here. Uh, we don't use it for the samadhi. Here, a kind of a very indirect question. So, a uh, nicha. So the separation with a. A is the negative, and the, you know, no. So. Anicca means you, you have the negative uh, prefix of a, and then the uh, nicca, which is means permanent. So nicca is permanent, and a is a negative of, of permanent. So and a nicca, su, dukkha. So here you have su and du, and related to dukkha, to dukkha or sukha. So you have the positive and negative, and then another one is uh, oja, niyama, and nibbana. I don't know about this one. Like, uh, I don't think there is oja niyama. I think this utu niyama, the law of uh, of the temperature, the law, yes, of uh, of uh, uh, the the cal- caloric order of the universe. This is oja niyama. But the nibbana actually does not belong to any uh, specific uh, natural order of the universe because nibbana is beyond any worldly condition and uh, and then as such it is beyond uh, these things it, it goes beyond the uh, uh, these uh, types of uh, of of laws where the duality or where a comparison can be can be made uh, can be made and then the, the, then another one is moving with the movement equal stillness. So then the question actually is anicca, su, dukkha, ojaniyama, nibbana. Moving with the movement equal stillness. 
So uh, we spoke about uh, observation. Hmm? So I think uh, the way they describe uh, observation uh, in science is that uh, the way that uh, uh, the way that uh, it can also be interpreted is that an observation depends on the point of view of or the angle from which we are looking at the thing. So one of the perimeter or one of the uh, point of reference is actually, I forgot the, the, the name that, that it's called, but it, it has to do with the reference. So it's a reference point or, so depending on the, on the point, depending on the, the place the, from which we observe, then the object of observation is going to be changed. For example, if we are uh, trying to calculate the speed of a car, huh, if we go parallel, uh, if we are on the road, you know, like a highway or anyway, we are on the road and we are in a, another car and then we are looking at, uh, at the, the, the car outside and we try to evaluate the, the, the speed of the car. So if there is no other point of reference, then we, we, we may have the impression that uh, the other car is going at the same speed of uh, ourselves. Or we may have the impression that the car is uh, maybe going five miles uh, per hour, whereas the car may actually be going 80 miles per hour because we are going at the 75 miles per hour. So depending on the way, depending on the, object, the, the place where we observe a phenomenon, then the, the equation or the evaluation will be different. And uh, here, actually, it is relating to, to uh, movement equal uh, stillness. Moving with the movement equals stillness. So if we are able to move, I think, you know, at the same speed of the movement, then, then if we compare our self in relation to the object that is moving, then we are still. But uh, uh, so I think this is clear, no? But uh, I think that the question or what here the question underlie under underlines is that uh, is that uh, there is a going beyond uh, there is a going beyond duality the du the duality of uh, sukha and dukkha the duality of uh, of mov moving or not moving the duality of positive and negative, the duality of, uh, of uh, all kinds of uh, duality that we are finding in our, in our life. So, uh, so duality is a, is a dynamic within, uh, within two poles. Huh? So if we take the balance, for example, huh? we have, I mean, I try to use the, the kind of simile for the uh, for the for the lever, huh? so here if you have the simile of a, of a balance, so we have a balance, and depending on on where we put the weight, then the balance will go incline on, on one side, or it will incline to the other side. So if we push on one side, then then this this side also will 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 will, will go up. So uh, what? Where do we find the balance? The balance actually is just the middle. So if we are right in the middle of, uh, of uh, these two opposite uh, factors, then the, mi the minor, the, 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 the place is a, is, a, is a place of stillness. So that comparison can be also related to the mathematics and uh, what we, uh, what we, uh, we, we, we um, suggested last time about the emptiness 
emptiness means, uh, like uh, our friend said, it is related to the number zero. And like in Burmese also, the sunyata, sunya, sunya is also, it means zero. So zero, the number zero is emptiness. And zero means it's beyond a negative and positive. And uh, uh, we can say also that the meditation is, uh, is aiming at the, pl- at the place of perfect balance. And then we don't go, uh, you know, towards one extreme or the other extreme. And this is the place of perfect uh, stillness. And then there is no more disturbance. That we are not disturbed by sukha or we are not disturbed by dukkha and anicca or nicca. It, 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 we are beyond that. We are in a state of perfect uh, stability. So, um, this would be also moving with the movement. So, I think we can end here.